0: And welcome to this week's Education is Just Raisin Lefties (laughs) edition of Spin Cycle. More on that in a moment. Coming to you from the unceded lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, as ever, always was, always will be. I'm Jess Lilly and I'm joined in the studio, of course, by the aged journalist Najma Sambul and Criker reporter, Charlie Lewis. Hello team.
1: Hi, how how are you?
0: I'm good. I'm just getting used to new reading glasses.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we can see that.
0: <laughs> I like. It looks great when I'm looking at my screen, and then I look up. I'm like, ah. You need to get the multifocals. Vibbles. Yeah. 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 I'm. I'm at that point in my life. It's. Um. It's. Uh. It's a. It's a thing.
2: Anyway,
0: (laughs) moving on. (laughs) Moving right along. In about 15 minutes um, we're thrilled to be joined in the studio by The Age education editor and reporter Adam Carey who is going to um, talk to us about how on earth you cover such a huge and varied topic as education. There's always sort of breaking news in education but then there's also such big meaty things Mm. that you could sink your teeth into as well. So we will be grilling Adam on that. Um, But first up some Other media news and given it's Bastille Day,
1: oh, is it? (laughs) Yeah, Vive la France! (laughs) (laughs) I thought I'd start with
0: a Charlie like that. (laughs) Champagne. It it went a little bit into cochon. (laughs) 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 We.
3: No, I love ratatouille. Let's go.
0: Uh, uh you know, uh,
3: happy Bastille Day to all our French listeners who I'm sure loved that very respectful take on their, their, their proud culture.
0: Well, at least they have a, um, a decent um, prison story to tell in the storming of the Bastille. Um, the one that I wanted to talk about is not so positive. And I I was meant I meant to bring it up last week, but I was so beguiled by the notion of a Gangland heiress that I, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. <laughs> it completely um, slipped my mind. But um, and particularly it was relevant last week to NIDOC Week. So just take yourself back. Um, I think I was struck by last week the contrast between I suppose the very positive cultural stories being covered during NIDOC Week and some amazing um, yeah. TV coverage in particular. There was I was just I loved a lot of that stuff. But then towards the end of the week. Um, There was a hard news story that broke um, when it was reported that 20 children, some as young as 14, were being transferred by the Western Australian Government from Banksia Hill, a youth detention centre, um, to the state's um, maximum security Caswarina prison for adults. And, yeah, when I saw that on... I think I first saw it, a bunch of people tweeted about it, obviously, you know, (laughs) in extremely negative terms. Yeah, yeah. Um, And so then I, I saw a sort of an Age article the next day and clicked on it and I was really quite shocked. Age, age or ABC? Sorry, ABC. I meant to say the ABC. I was really quite shocked by um, the way the report was delivered, which was very, like, totally from the point of view, and I'm definitely not exaggerating because I was just kind of reading it down, waiting for for a different angle, but it was completely mm-hmm. from the point of view of the Department of Justice. Um, and yeah i just it just seemed to me just to be a real just sort of a real chasm between the ways that we uh, you know and, and, and this same and on the uh, by the abc this same youth detention center um was reported earlier this year as um well a, a perth children's court judge judge highton Quail slammed the dehumanising conditions that detainees were kept in at Banksia, and directly linking those to um, the reason that kids they were, were, they were acting, acting out. Yeah, yeah acting yeah, yeah, yeah. out, and really violently, aggressively. Apparently, <laughs> they were tearing the place up. Mm. But the way the ABC reported it, and then I saw a lot of other news sources reported it, was as though um, that um, this sort of seemingly punitive measures for these damages caused at the youth detention centre were acceptable.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: Do you know? Yeah, but yeah, yeah.
0: and there was no sort of alarm that children as young as fourteen that were makes it to an
3: adult's
1: maximum
0: yeah,
3: yeah. of security
0: prison. So I mean. there
1: was in the reporting I didn't read it, was it like did it miss like a, a kind of voice to Speak to that, just well, to criticize it. Was that what the report was missing?
0: Yeah, it was missing. It was. It, it very much came from you know x amount of million of dollars damage was caused. Children were you know so violent. Kind of like, you know business out of control, as usual. Business, business as usual. And, yeah. Quoting the Department of Justice only. Um That's scary. There was some some more. Um, uh, there was some other reporting from yeah. in Vice and, and I think Guardian a was more, a little bit more critically balanced. Critically minded about yeah, that. Right? Yeah. And, yeah, but I just sort of think, given that we're having this debate around raising the age um, anyway and, you know, there, <laughs> there are people on record in institutions of power damning this um, detention centre, yeah, I just a really it, weird it just, it just, angle to take. As you say, you know? it's a
3: strange um, omission because it wouldn't be all that hard to To square that legislatively yeah. and at least do both sides, yeah. um, which they would still get criticised for, and maybe rightly so. But you would at least be saying, "I'm doing a fair approximation of, of the different and the two different worthy arguments in for in favour of and against this move." Um, I,
0: I also yeah. think it speaks to the bigger issue that we just don't seem to be able to have a sort of multifaceted or, you know, um, bigger nuanced conversation about issues of justice and, yeah yeah, know, yeah for in sure in this for country. Sure. And
1: yeah, and I think it's just the nature of print as well um, mm. lends itself to just kind of, you know, just kind of tr- like rewrite the press release, unfortunately, mm. whereas I feel if this was reported, um, and it could very well be, but if reported, um, you know, on the news, the nightly news, I feel that there would be a sentence to say, but activists are, you know, da, <laughs> yeah. da, 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 da. you yeah, know, yeah. to you know, just to, just to, to give that conform
3: with the rhythm of power, yeah, uh, of a which show which
1: go. often makes yeah. sense because, like what you said, Jess, you are reading down the article, going, okay, so when is this opposing, you know, yeah, critical yeah. voice coming because yeah, this yeah. is
0: outrageous? What yeah. I'm reading, it when just, is someone going to say, hey, it's probably a bad idea for 14 year olds. Yeah. To be in a prison. And I think it's very strange that
3: the, the leaning on it we saw it going back to, to Don Dale and, and Dylan Voller and, and and the other kids kind of being uh put in spit hoods in, in the Northern Territory, oh where it's just lent on the fact that they are so troublesome and they are so mm. violent and, that's and exactly often, what and it often was they are. And you know, and often that's true, but it's but it seems like that as a as a way of explaining away incredibly punitive um actions towards literal children mm. is a little bit unsatisfactory and it also doesn't get to the truth of why they're that way in any way shape or form
0: mm. which is um, that was in the judge's comments um, earlier in the year when they were damning the the detention center because one of the one of um, one of the detainees was had brought a, in front of them for this kind of behavior mm-hmm. and they were like well you know, if you want to criminalise youth, this is how you do it. Mm. This this whole this whole centre is bad news. You know, yeah. Not yeah. that yeah. wasn't a direct quote from the judge. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and that judge's name, Iton.
0: Hilton, 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 Quail. I
1: oh, know. My God, it's so so <laughs> Dickensian. I was, so Dickensian. <laughs> I was like, you know, nothing good's coming
3: out of that. <laughs> I
0: was thinking the same thing when well, I read it. No, it seems it. like
3: Hilton Quail actually had some some, oh, he, some worthwhile thoughts on oh, the, the whole subject. Yeah.
1: Oh well, great, but that just proves it's just we don't na- want to
3: defame Hilton Quail. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Sure I just feel honorable...
1: like any time <laughs> there's a Hilton Quail, whether that is the um, hero or the villain, <laughs> it still feels all very Dickensian. To be fair, it's very <laughs> liberally to. Yeah,
3: right. Justice <laughs> Quayle, if you are that listening, could
1: save you from the orphanage or could be there to destroy your life. Who knows? It's Hilton
3: Quayle. Uh, Justice Quayle, I just want you to know. <laughs> that, I'm joking. Uh, the spin cycle as a program does not um, take any view on your judgments, good or bad. Hilton
0: with a Y, too. That, that did strike me. Uh, it's uh, ten minutes after seven, and you are tuned to Spin Cycle on Drupal R. Um, just before we chat to the Age Education Editor and Reporter Adam Carey, there's a lot, of, a little bit that, um, a little bit of movement going on that you wanted to talk about, Charlie, linking a few different topics of of news this week. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that really struck me, I mean, I, I, there's the the
3: the Uber Files, which the, the Guardian oh, yes. in particular and. Um, the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists, have been doing an incredible job of reporting. Um, It's it's a leak of of, of roughly 124,000 documents and texts and emails and and, and sort of internal Mm -hmm. uh, communications that kind of really reveal how they managed to so quickly come to dominate and we forget this kind of basically reshape society in a lot of countries as we yeah, know it in yeah. terms of in terms of our expectations of what employment was. They have just, I mean, this is my, my bugbear with, with with Uber in particular is it became incredibly fun and innovative and agile to destroy workers' rights in a way that wasn't particularly I don't think wasn't wasn't strongly enough questioned at the time. Mm. Um, but also in terms of yes, in terms of on so many levels it, it changed. Um, the way society was.
1: And even our expectations of how service industries exactly, work exactly. as well is, yeah, like, yeah. completely deranged now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, also, and also whether Absolutely. a business
3: has to uh, comply with the law of the land that it is operating in. Mm. They openly, this is one of the things that the, the, the document leak really kind of reveals, is that what, well, one, was their incredible access to people of huge amounts of influence and power in many, many different countries, but also yeah. the fact that they actively and knowingly flouted so many regulations in Australia, well, in every country that they operated in, yeah. because they were basically undercutting, and also the the active way that they undercut public transport and existing rideshare, yeah. taxi services yeah. in the countries that they um, that they operated in. The one that the the, the, the element that is, that is particularly relevant to our show is is the the charm offensive that they went on with mm. media barons the world over, in whether this is in Germany, in Italy, in France, in mm. India uh in in belgium <clears throat> Explicitly, with the the aim of gaining more favourable coverage and using that influence to leverage more favourable treatment from the governments.
0: When you say charm offensive, was it you know payment or junkets or? Well, in some
3: cases, uh, the owners of very big media companies in Germany, particularly, and Germany and India are the two ones that are identified in in the reporting that I've written the Guardian. Um, they, they they bought sh- they 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 had stock and shares and, and cash for. Um, what, what, for what was classed as that in return for good mm. coverage whether that's actually how that worked out that Sounds was like a the way classic it, savvy business well, model. It, it does doesn't it it does and it does reply, I mean I do remember at the time and and again I don't want to keep going on about yeah. my particular bugbear which is in, which is industrial relations but when when everything there was a, a while about 5 years ago and it, and it stayed for a long time of every news story every second day there'd be a news report about a new app that was Uber for Dot, dot, dot. It was Uber for, and the one that really struck out for me was Uber for hospitality, where it was a work hire service that you could download on your phone and hire, you know, people to work in hospitality through it via the same uh, arrangement that you would hire an Uber driver. Now, that is by no means, that was clearly an illegal process by by, my my assessment, allegedly. Uh, I don't want to. uh, defame anyone who put yeah. that, that, that together. But essentially, uh, a waiter cannot be a contractor in the same way that a painter or a plumber or a builder can yeah, be. They have course. to work at the same place every day. With uh, there's, a, there's a lot of complicated things mm. that go into what makes an employee versus what makes a, yeah. a contractor. But, but you, you just cannot be in the hospitality and be a contractor. It wipes out all of your employment rights, essentially. No, what, everyone reporting on this went, look at this lovely new shiny mm. app. Uh, they didn't say, wait a minute, is this actually legal or could this possibly destroy workplace relations as we know Mm. it in this country? Uh, I always did note that, and I always thought it was very strange that it was such an uncritical thing. There's nothing about what Uber did in Australia to court media companies here, but I would be very interested to know if there was Mm. any similar overtures made. Um, And I think, you know, this... uh, And the kind of the, the billowing out of this was, I think, kind of... You you obviously had your your thoughts on Qantas and how they seem to have the same sort of...
0: Well, I I mean, I'm not um, going to accuse them of, you know, buying coverage, but I just thought it was incredibly... um, There was a real juxtaposition a couple of weeks ago when you saw on social media everyone just, um, you know... posting about luggage missing, flights cancelled, yeah, terrible yeah, yeah, service. Yeah. And yet, um, you know, I opened the paper and there'd be this big glowing article about yes, yes. a new Qantas route or,
2: you know, oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah.
0: how managed, you know, photos of, um, you know, high ups in the company down on the floor and the, you know, to deal with the holiday yeah. rush. You yeah, know? yeah, and yeah. Or like, the... like the
3: disgusting uh, uh, toilet papering of, of Alan Joyce's mansion. <laughs> uh, you know, like... Like, there's no reason that people might be a little bit angry at him at this particular point in time.
0: Well, the one I read in the Australian was Alan Joyce is overseas on in in Europe on holiday. He stayed over there after the first flight to wherever, and it was like, meanwhile, you know, everyone's <laughs> yeah. experience travel holiday, you know, school holiday travel experience is burning.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, while well, well, all just, the journalists just... that they paid for to go on that first flight yes. from Perth straight to Rome all wrote. Largely, pretty uncritical write-ups of how good that flight experience was. Mm. And, the, and again, you don't want to have a go at individual journalists because there were actually some. There, there was some good, amusing travel writing that came out of that process. I think some and they were all open about the yeah. fact that they were being paid yeah. to go on. Yeah, this I think trip.
1: somebody. Um, I don't know where I saw it. There I was think a might media it online where somebody said, "Actually, we did mention some of the um, issues that are there was happening a media with watch. Qantas." Yeah, and yeah. I think yeah. they. I think they came back hard against that when they said, "Actually, hold on. Yeah, you haven't yeah. complete Given us, you know, fair and accurate reporting because we actually did criticise, and I think yeah, I don't know yeah, who yeah. particularly it was, but I remember one of them hitting back on that. Um.
3: Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, the AFR was 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 relatively neutral in its approach. Yeah, uh, the West Australian was 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 uh, fairly. It was very open about the fact that it was a very absurd position to be in because you're yeah, being yeah. paid to go in first class with Mark McGowan a few seats down from you. This yeah. is not a normal travel okay, experience. Oh, that
1: sounds awful. <laughs> anyway, sorry. The, the other one, uh, you
3: know... You never want to uh, visit Perth, I assume. Uh, <laughs> no, I
1: just don't want to be in a first class and then looking at Mark McGowan. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, all I'm thinking well, about is COVID. The door a uh, slam uh, shut. It's triggering.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> the other one... having family over there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sorry, Jess. No, that's <laughs> it <fine. laughs> And I thought I was being half damn, darling. The other one this week was a series of six um, advertorials and they're they're noted as, you know, sponsored, although in very small writing, (laughs) in the Australian Financial Review. But six of them um, paid for by, um, is it Jamina? I don't know how you pronounce that. And the Australian Gas Networks, a gas provider. Um, And they're spooking a recent energy solutions roundtable with Jemina and the Australian Gas Networks, mm. co-hosted by the Australian Financial Review. And even though there is a, a note to say it's sponsored, visually it's pretty indistinguishable from regular news mm, mm. coverage save for this small sponsored content note. And I don't know, I mean, it's it's all above board and it's, paid con- you know, it's sponsored content and that's... That's totally legit in our current media landscape. Well, yeah, yeah. But given the sensitivities around climate reporting, it it just does feel like it blurs the lines a little bit, you yeah. know? Yeah, and and, and
3: and obviously it does it does call attention to. And I think I, I believe it was Tim Baxter who who uh, who put together this thread, yes, kind of organising yep. them, did point out that there was also an editorial that was not sponsored content. Spruiking the exact same thing, mm. and you do, and it, and it's not so much that you think there's anything that's, you know, everything's above board, but it pro- provides the difficult optics, shall we say, yeah. about your reporting on those areas. Also, it's interesting to point out that this this flurry of, of of advertorials does come since the Victorian government launched its gas substitution roadmap, and you suspect it is probably in response to that. Um, and it's interesting to kind of, yeah, uh, kind of. It's worth noting, shall yes. we say? It's worth
0: it's worth calling attention to. Uh, oh wow! It's almost um, nineteen minutes after seven. Our bad? Let's um, let's listen to a song and then welcome the age education editor and reporter Adam Carey to the studio because that is a big topic. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be <laughs> back in a moment. You're tuned to Spin Cycle on Triple R.
2: Three Triple R FM.
1: Anyways, so we have an in-studio guest tonight. Um, Adam Carey is education editor and reporter at The Age and has been for the past three years. Adam has won awards including the 2021 Australian Media Centre for Education Researchers Award for Excellence in Education Reporting and the Australian Council of Educational Leaders 2021 Media Award. He was previously the paper's state political correspondent, where he covered the landslide election of 2018. That was historic. <laughs> <laughs> and prior to that, um, was a transport reporter, where he covered at length the fight over the East West Link. He joined the Age as a trainee, sub editor, way back in 2007.
2: <laughs> Welcome, Adam. How are you? Thank you, Natasha. Nice. It's great to be on Triple R, a Melbourne treasure. Thanks for
0: having me yeah. on. Uh, it's so good to have mm. you in the studio too. This is a relative novelty for us because um, we pretty much have been mostly reporting during um, restricted access, so this is great.
3: And the, the number of uh, in-studio guests we've had could share a tandem bike wherever you've just, they went. Yeah, you've, you've just,
2: just done you've doubled doubled one with it. Chris Vidalago. <laughs> yeah. well, well, let's face it, everyone's sick of had enough of Zoom, right? And yeah, by, totally. yeah. Everything sucks mm. by now, so <laughs> good to be in the studio.
1: Well, um, so I actually worked with Adam, I did, what was it, two weeks in education reporting as a trainee, myself, and we went up to a school in, where was it?
2: Uh, <laughs> um, that's right, under my shaky guidance, I took, we took you out to uh, Warrawa Aboriginal College just out of Healesville. Um, yeah. And an it, important site for, um, yeah, sort of the history of, um, yeah. I guess, yeah, Aboriginal and, Victoria.
1: You know what, the interesting thing about working um, and seeing how education reporting like kind of um, from pitch to publication, it's so hard. And I wanted to kind of like my first question is like how do you approach stories, um, especially with schools that not many people know about so it could kind of like make or break the reputation of a school?
2: Yeah, in, in a way by treading carefully, right, because like you say, reputations can be kind of tarnished very easily and and, and every now and then that's kind of deserved, yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah, of but, course. <laughs> but you don't want to do it when it isn't, so.
1: Yeah. But what's the kind of like, um, is there more, what's the ratio of kind of having positive stories versus like having stories that are a little Scandalous. bit Scandalous.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, like any, I mean, so so much reporting is sort of yeah. conflicts and and um, pointing out where there's holes in the system and and you know mm. f- yeah. funding injustices and and yeah. you know private school scandals and so on. But there is, I mean, there are one of the sort of the great things about education reporting is every now and then you get to tell like a genuine yeah. well deserved kind of good news story and yeah and um, when we went out to that indigenous yeah.
1: school that was that ended up being a front page story because there was a new um indigenous resource being put out to schools and it was so good to see that story but i want to talk about some of the kind of maybe perhaps harsher reporting if that's not <laughs> well mm. schools that might um for instance, you know, the school, we had a story around schools in the northern suburbs and how they kind of, um, the p- parents weren't putting their kids into public schools there. Like, how does it, like, I feel like sometimes it can be very kind of uncomfortable to report on especially areas where it's not, you know, as high associate economic. How do you go
2: about that? I agree, and, and the story, just in terms of the background, so there's this new sort of, I guess, parents group that's um, sprung up in the northern part of Moorland that is... Uh,
1: the RISE group.
2: Yeah, they're called RISE, and they're basically agitating for improvements to the public high schools in that area. What they really want is there's there's an all-girls school called Vale Girls Secondary College that they want to see that potentially turned into a co-ed school, and there's a couple of uh, secondary schools that... Uh, have very low low and declining enrolments and there's a clear case there of, of people basically, people rejecting their local school, basically. The the community doesn't appear to have com- a yeah. high degree of confidence in their public secondary school. So those schools are kind of caught in a bit of
1: yeah. a
2: spiral, I guess. People don't want to send their kids to those schools. Those schools miss out on funding because they have fewer students. Yeah. They're just caught in a bit of a trap. And in a way, by shining a light on that, you're not, arguably maybe you're not helping them in that mission. But it's, a, it's an honest conversation that we need to have. Mm, like, when, mm. when some schools end up kind of caught, you know, they become schools that are the schools of last resort. Yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a tough and it's a long journey out of that. Yeah.
0: When, when does something like that become... I'm, I'm interested in a um, survey that was released recently. It was um, a study that looked at 65,000 news articles about Australian <laughs> teachers. <laughs> you might not be familiar with it. News I might be putting, you. putting mm. you on the spot. But it's one of its findings was that um, on the whole they were um, negative, and you know this is just an article in the conversation saying no wonder no one wants to be a teacher. Um, I, I'm interested when stuff when stories like that become politicised and they become political footballs. For example, you know education, there's such a tension between funding, but sort of funding of private schools versus mm. funding of public schools, and we've heard um, ministers talk about quality of teaching. The most recent one, obviously, is Dutton trying to kind of revive a little bit of a culture war in in education. When does sort of um, a fairly objective shining a light, as you said, on a um, sort of standard of education slip into becoming a politicised issue where, you know, two, both the both major parties are having a go at each other, for, for example, over education standards?
2: Yeah. I, I, and it's interesting that you've I mean, t- teachers do seem to be um, particularly uh, prone to getting used as political footballs as well, be that mm. due to um, declining results or, um, you know...
0: Various scandals. ..arguments about
2: <laughs> the culture wars yeah. or what have you, for whatever reason. So I guess the easiest thing to do is, is um, blame a teacher for that. Uh, someone made a point, well, you know, if if... if if ho- our hospitals are under strain, we're, we're not saying that's because they're full of crap doctors and yeah, nurses yeah, sort yeah. of thing. There's mm-hmm. something more, you know, systemic going on there, right? So I, I guess it's just sort of easy to, the teachers, the human face, but really, like, there, are, there's a whole lot of threads there in terms of um, how much we value teachers. Um, I saw a, anyway, this is... On the weekend, I took my boy to see the Minions film. I don't recommend you do that, by the way. <laughs> Did you go in a suit? Uh, but <laughs> there, there, there was a scene uh, sort of early on in the film where there was a sort of a, a classroom of kids running riot and the teacher looking completely crushed by the world and she was asking the kids what they wanted to do and yeah. one was like, I want to be an astronaut. And she's like, that sounds very exciting. And another, mm-hmm. another was like, I want to be a teacher. And she said, no, no, you don't. So <laughs> <laughs> that's one, yeah. If you could kind of encapsulate where kind of teachers are you know, <laughs> yeah. sort of... Yeah, and how they're themselves. kind of depicted yeah. in New pop culture yeah. as well it's is like, pretty problematic. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, at the same, I mean, and, you know, we wonder why there's a yeah. teacher choice yeah. happening right now. Well,
1: my question is, do you find that makes the schools that you speak to, the teachers, are they distrustful of media?
0: Yeah, this is... That's, I've never yeah. thought to ask that, but mm. I have...
2: Uh, there's no no general yeah okay answer to that. I mean, I have. I or have, are they I allowed to talk to media? I, I'm, you know, strictly. Well, I mean, it, I think strictly speaking, yes, but it kind of depends on. It kind of depends on their boss, right? Mm. There's some that are, it depends on their principle. Depends on, um, I guess, how much they kind of want to, um, how bullshit they want to be about the department or something. You know, it mm. could probably come back on them. But I speak to I, in terms of who I kind of quote. On the record, I I talk to a lot of principals. Mm-hmm. I talk to I kind of tend to speak with teachers more on background because I yeah I am mindful that stuff can kind of
0: blow back. Mm-hmm. Have you had a situation where, or do you often get sort of I don't want to go on the record, but you should look at the, look at X or Y or Z? Do
2: you have you know a hotline? <laughs>
0: <laughs> to well, whistle of course, and then, and, then, and then you know and
2: that's kind of part of the. I guess one of the um, uh, you know, the frustrations and occasional, occasional you know, triumphs of the job is then trying to convince that person to actually go on the record. Because yeah. you can you can fill a story with anonymous person made this claim about how terrible the school system is and it's it's ultimately not too good for credibility unless you've mm. actually got someone putting their name to it.
3: Going back to the the kind of issue of culture wars and, and what a kind of magnet for that the education system in Australia often becomes what is the process that you go through in terms of deciding what to report on in that in that realm, and, and what to let through to the keeper? If mm. if uh, Senator Holly Hughes says, well, it's just because all te- all teachers are just Marxists, and that's why no one wants to vote for our party, or you know some of the things that uh, you know the other major media company in Australia sometimes likes to say about teachers. How do you kind of sift through that in terms of right? Well, this is worth debunking, or this is worth looking into or this is just going to be something that we should ignore because we can only add fuel to the fire by by talking
2: about it. Well, I guess if there's if if there's substance to the issue, right? I mean, I you know, Peter Dutton for example made some comments recently one of his first interviews I think it was with Andrew Bolt sort of talking about how they want to they yeah. want to kind of refire up a sort yeah, of a, a yeah. debate about the curriculum which it's almost like the last 2 years didn't Happen, right? Well, we're yeah, because Alan touched been doing that. We've so just had <laughs> all, all, all states and territories have just signed off on a new curriculum, which, um, you know, initially the first draft of, you know, the coalition government didn't like it and they were, they were in government so they could say, we want you to add, you know, these bits to it. We want more kind of Western history and more mm. Christian heritage and so on, mm-hmm. and, and the Curriculum Authority added those bits in. So they've really got something that they was, you know, significantly kind of revised at their direction. So it's not really about the curriculum, right? Yeah, it's about yeah, them yeah. talking to their base. It's about them talking to their voters. It's about them basically saying that, you know, to to people in Voterland that, you know, we have the same values that, gonna that you have. We're going to fight this stuff. You know? or yeah. m- and moving so, on from the topic yeah. of the
0: election as well. Mm. But also perhaps they didn't quite go far enough for Dutton. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
2: Possibly. <Plus>, wow. <well, laughs>
0: <often. Yeah. laughs> No, that's fascinating. I think, like, one of the
1: interesting things with, like, education reporting, of course, is always that kind of private versus public Mm. that seems to be such a huge thing. I remember, Adam, we had a conversation around, you know, why certain private schools, and I may have naively asked, how come certain private schools don't talk to the media and you just kind of, you know, just matter-of-factly said, because they don't need to. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought that was so fascinating, you know, like the big wigs, like Geelong Grammar, Mm -hmm. Um i don't I don't think Wesley College talked too much to the media as well, but what public what private schools do you find when do they come and speak to the media? Is it to kind of put something on record, respond to something that's kind of happened, or do they have like a blanket rule where they just simply don't engage whether the story is positive or negative?
2: Well well, they'll engage when they sort of take for example, I mean scotch college yeah, I was gonna yeah say, a, a classic example of a school that doesn't. Uh, seek to, I mean, they, they, you know, they are their own advertising, you know, this kind yeah. of 170-odd-year-old yeah. all-boys institution, you know, and, and that just sells itself, right, to yeah. to people who want to send their children yeah. to a school like that. So they don't really need the yeah. plugs exactly, I, yeah. I think, yeah. is the way they look at it. But obviously, you know, they had, they went through their own sort of yeah. <laughs> PR disaster <laughs> <Yeah. are> when <laughs> they sort more. of botched the, <laughs> the, the, um, yeah. you know, the hiring of a new principal. So at that point yeah. then you know, they I guess what they do is they can sort of, you know, hire up, you know, like some yeah. kind of A list PR firm to sort of
1: And mop how up. yeah well <laughs> how is the communication with the PR firms?
2: Oh, it's um straightforward a lot of the time. Like <laughs> yeah. I mean, can can I speak to the can I speak to the principal, you know, yes, you can. No, you can't, you know. Like and then you'll you'll need to submit your questions, you know. So in terms of when you're dealing with things at that kind of um yeah, I mean, that's often, like, sort of more transactional. It's, it's, it might be that, you know, like, a, pa- a parent or someone might mm. decide to tell you some, you know, some sort of back-channel information rather than, you know, yeah. the, 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 the PR firm that's been hired to do, you know, reputational, you know, repair sort of thing.
0: What about unions? I mean, the education, you know, there was um there was a situation in the lead-up to the last federal election where <coughs> Tanya Plibersek was... um. Pretty dirty, I think, on the the union for sort of causing almost a negative news story about um, their kind of um, the the level of, of funding that they were hoping for the um, for the Labour government to announce. How does that relationship work in terms of them lobbying for, you know, press coverage of of um, education issues?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, I think there is go- now that we have. I actually think the situation with the public education unions is sort of more interesting now that we have a Labor government mm. because of, um, yeah, I guess, you know, this historic underfunding of public schools compared with private schools that still mm-hmm. exists, mm. That and, and as far as the forward projections go to 2029 won't be kind of resolved, they'll mm. still be underfunded, but... Um, the, the unions, you know, political allies, the education unions and Labor are political allies, but on an issue like this, particularly in the context of, you know, a bit of an economic downturn, you know, there's going to be... I reckon there's going to be a, a mm. fight there. Of, you know, there's going to be argy-bargy between the Victorian government and the, you know, the Albanese government on this mm. issue too, really, so...
0: Was it in Victoria just recently that there was an announcement that there was going to be some funding cut to private schools?
2: So this is, nationally there's been a, 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 um, a change to the formula for how, right. how yeah, Commonwealth yeah, yeah, funding goes to. So there's a bit, there was a bit of a blunt formula previously based on essentially the postcode that the school in, schools in to determine, you know, the socio-economic, you know, all, all funding to private schools, or all, all schools, private and government, is sort of allocated on sort of an equity basis through Gonski. Um and so, you know, there were schools... It's such
0: a funny name, Gonski. Right. Yeah, I,
2: I, honestly, I can't, I, it perked me up for sure. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. So, so, so there were some independent schools that were sort of doing quite well out of that in terms yeah. of, like, you might have a... Mm. Let's just say Geelong Grammar, it's in Corio. It's a yeah. very disadvantaged suburb, but mm. it has a very advantaged cohort. You know, you suddenly look at the parents' capacity to pay um, and maybe the school doesn't need quite so much government funding, but... What they did is they had, they had like a there's a there's a multi-billion-dollar slush fund so that none of those schools will actually lose money out until I think it's about 2029. 20, so they will eventually start the drip will be diminished a bit, but they've been giving a lot a lot of time to adjust to that.
0: What are the most kind of read, requested, commented on articles in education that sort of might surprise you, or what are the things that readers really gravitate towards?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, we're already talking about... I mean, s- stories about private school scandals just, yeah. seem to just <laughs> go <laughs> of course. berserk. Um, this one was before my time, but, um, you know, Trinity, the epic, you know, Trinity grammar saga about Brownie cutting the boy's hair and oh, you know, right, yeah, yes. at the school assembly when his, he's, he's, you know, his fringe yeah. was too long or something like that mm-hmm. and he was dismissed and then there was like you know, huge rallies to have him reinstated and, you know, that sort of played out for months. I think that, I mean, uh, there's a fascination with that and, I mean, also I think it sort of taps into people's sort of sort of status anxiety on some yeah, level. Right, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we have in Australia, like, you know, we're, we're obviously, we're officially this egalitarian, you know, society, but we have, you know, it's, it, it's still quite like, it's still a class like, system. What, yeah. one, in, one in three kids goes to a non-government school in Australia, yeah. which is actually really high among mm, sort of, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. comparable nations. And, and, you know, I mean, I just can only think outside of my reporting, but even like conversations among, you know, yeah. friends and so on, people kind of they worry, like, they feel guilt about, oh, am I, I, you know, giving my child the best side in life if I send them to the local public school? So, you know, it sort of taps into Mm. people's kind Mm. of deep-seated, you know... Some good schadenfreude (laughs) when a
0: private school goes down. Yeah,
1: I will say, though, definitely education reporting is, like, one of the most read for the age, um, and especially, like, local stories, Like, it's just, like, they go, like, I see the numbers. They just go, and especially on social media, the comments just go off on mm. them like it's so fascinating how do you kind of deal with being famous <laughs> you know you're at the helm of this how does that feel you've got you've got students mothers teachers <laughs> I'm not famous I'm
2: just writing stories <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. yeah. that's awesome. how does that feel like some kind of responsibility because you know it's quite well read mm. do you feel a little bit of anxiety do you kind of you know get a bit nervous at night you know after you filed a story or I'm, you're just
2: so used to only it? if I think I've got. Some Something a bit wrong, or if I've, I've being yeah. a bit unfair. But no, I mean, it's it's a, you. We want our stories to be well read, right? We yeah. wanna we wanna tap into something, and, and yeah. we see the audience. You know, we've we've, we've you know, yeah. Like some, like there was a really odd one I wrote recently. Um, in t- terms of like a hyper-local issue about a like a, a planning dispute with a school that's moving into oh yeah I saw that, yeah. in Brunswick, Brunswick yeah. and they they sort of f- conveniently forgot to tell the neighbours until the you know sort of tradies rocked up and <laughs> yeah like, what are you school. doing it's like, we're, yeah we're building a three story school here sort of thing, <laughs> you know? like, um, which you know not everyone was very sympathetic with them I think because you know it's a, it's a, it's a school and it's also a school for kind of vulnerable kids who would yeah. otherwise um, yeah, You know, maybe drop out, you know, the kids are at risk of maybe
0: dropping out of the education
2: system. Yeah. But, you know, at the same time, like, that shouldn't let the, you know, the school building authority off the hook. They should do proper.
1: Yeah, and also pain. another story that I found really interesting, there was um, Uffington Grammar where they were fighting to keep the their fence up because people, it was a public thoroughfare and people were able to kind of cross through the side of the school to get to the lake or something and they had erected their own fence and it caused, like, chaos mm-hmm. in yeah. the community. Did you do a follow-up
2: with that story? or Yeah, well, yeah. just in terms of what, you know, just the follow-up, fall out the next day or two, right? Maybe that's just kind of like the sweet spot, sweet spot of like NIMBYism, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Gra- grammar school, <laughs> yeah. you know, Alpington yeah, yeah, yeah. readers. Alpington yeah, yeah. is probably, you know, like the age's patch, you know, yeah. we can safely assume. Yeah, so, yeah.
1: <laughs> that was like number one red on right.
0: the site. <laughs> if you're just tuned in, we are chatting to Adam Carey, uh-huh. the education editor, and reporter for The Age, um, there is a story that, um, that that is really current from yesterday, actually, about the hackers um, getting details of forty seven thousand Deakin University students in a cyber attack. I'm interested in kind of tertiary education as well, given um, given it's sort of just become this kind of unwieldy beast
2: through mm. COVID. What's your take on on all of that? Uh, on on the hacking or on tertiary education? Let's start with the hacking. Mm. Wow. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, hacking, like everyone, you know, if you haven't been hacked at some point in your life, you haven't lived, right, well, you're <laughs> going to get hacked at some stage. <laughs> it's um, like if you uh, haven't had COVID. <laughs> <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> Why isn't anybody, anybody hacking me? Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I think unis have been pretty sort of fascinating, their journey over the last... Um, you know, COVID, like so many things, it's kind of, it's caused some problems but it's also exposed a whole lot of underlying yes. stuff that was, yes. you know, yeah. pretty pretty wrong, like in terms of just out of kilter. Yeah. Like how, how the universities had essentially been encouraged to go and, Get all this other money through international students, yeah. mm-hmm. Beca- and and then when that tap was turned off, you know, suddenly they had like mass layoffs and course cuts, and and kind of a cri- It's kind of yeah, triggered really a crisis of yeah. higher education in terms of. But goals.
0: also, it's exposed the terrible working conditions yeah. within universities right. mm-hmm. too. Yeah, you the know. Crisis I mean, of conscience, yeah, the, sure. the politicisation of job keeper. Yes, certainly by not including higher. Or tertiary education, but then the reports on how terribly. Um you know, um, people
3: like are, academics yeah, like that are
0: treated are. within the university system while whilst they are being run as these really kind of um, commercial businesses was pretty eye opening.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I I did get that. Like some of the, these sort of some of these sessional academics, it seems quite soul destroying. Like they're sort yeah. of, you know, they're passionate, they're committed, you know, they've done years of in their in their field and they're experts. And yet they're sort of on this you know, they're living on the breadline. It's sort of an amazing And they're the situation. front line
0: for students, you know. Exactly. As well. Yeah. What, what do you think, um, where do you think that's going to go in terms of, because it does still feel like they're not, they haven't
2: hit bottom yet. <laughs> well, I mean... <laughs> It's true. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, students are, students are sort of coming back mm. in, from from overseas. They're sort of they're they're trickling back. There has been a bit of a reckoning with the um the whole casual workforce. I think you know the the you know the Fair Work Ombudsman's sort of investigating about fourteen universities. We'll see where that lands and how much mm. they can really kind of how much you know structural change that'll lead to. I, I think yeah with with universities. Um,
0: and the fee increases as well. I mean, that was huge with especially arts and yeah. creative courses and things like that. Yeah,
2: and I wonder where that will go. I mean, um, I don't know many people um, other than those who were kind of, you know, behind it who think that that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. <You> know, there's, <laughs> so um, there is a review of that happening this um, you know, this year, I, I think you know, there. I think a lot of that, my guess is a lot of that will get dialed back a bit, but yeah, I would oh,
0: be mad if you enrolled in arts last year <laughs> and <I'm> then <laughs> it gets dialed <dull> back.
2: <laughs> oh That's God. right, you, you are the one or two yeah. people who pay the
0: 113% fee income <laughs> yes. for, um, to not go to your philosophical mm. 101 course, no. yeah. No. Um, the, the, the last Philosophical. Philosophy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That'll destroy me, to be honest. Imagine
2: that. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. I, I don't know if universities are sort of fighting for... The, they may be fighting for their place a bit more yeah. like in terms of, um yeah, like post-school options with, you know, vocational stuff. And, you know, it's probably a pretty good jobs market right now. The, the latest figures for university enrolments are actually down. I don't know if that's because... Kids are going out and getting jobs straight out of year twelve, or or they're going to TAFE or something like that. But yeah, I I mean,
3: this might be a little bit of a tangential point, but it's something that really occurred to me, especially during the kind of JobKeeper period in in twenty twenty, when it was when when the government consistently rewrote the rules to exclude um, (laughs) higher education. (laughs) I just thought, well. It's a very big industry, and it's a, huge, it's a huge export for Australia, is our education system, and it's a very big employer. Why... And, again, this is maybe outside of the area of, of just straight education reporting, but I'd be very fascinated to hear your thoughts. Why is the university sector so bad at advocating for itself? Why, does it, why is it not better at getting the outcomes that it... That it the good outcomes for it
2: is... Maybe they don't. Maybe they don't give off the kind of. They don't come across as sort of plucky underdog that you want <laughs> to kind of root yeah, yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. Vice,
0: vice chancellors are not really. They don't <laughs> no, <have> they they <laughs> earn a
2: decent crust. And all. I mean, I was. It was interesting reporting on the kind of, the plight of international students and, you know, who. And what was happening to universities, the sort of, you know, feedback you'd get in the sorry comments and so on was, you know, I reckon it was at least 50% people basically saying, well, good, you know, unis are too reliant on international yeah, students. Yeah. It's it's skewed and some mm. people, a lot of people thought it was kind and of... And I a, guess they really do come across
3: as the classic, you know, quote-unquote elite, the kind of the liberal elite who are kind of out of touch with the normal people who are just thinking about these slightly uh, abstract esoteric the ideas. The intelligentsia. And, yeah. Yeah. Which, is, yeah. which,
2: is, <laughs> which is, I mean, I, I, I reckon that's a pretty... I mean, do a kind of take out on what universities out do out out Oh, yeah. well, no, no, no. Sorry. Uh, hopefully, yeah. hopefully, it's clear that
3: I mean, I mean, no, yeah, no, no, no,
0: no, That's, no, that's no, a
3: representation of opinion yeah. at all. Uh, no, no, that's what oh, Yeah, of course not. to
0: say. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. It's like the, the, it was in The Australian the other day, they did say that, you know, um, access to education breeds leftists. Oh, but so there is that. In oh, the regular yeah, food, That was the Day Telly, to be fair. I'm sorry, the Daily
3: But in
1: every. I don't know, but for that take as well. You know, we've all been through universities. They are pretty highbrow, <laughs> like, in that way. And they do have a few. Like, and it breeds they, they, that kind of culture. If you go higher up, and if you kind of look, like yeah. it does, kind of, you know, sometimes you know, call a spade a spade. That but there are,
2: there are. A few leftists wandering around universities. So, <laughs> and so and there should be. So there
1: should yeah, be. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a safe space. I feel like
0: this is a big conversation for <laughs> yeah, another yeah. day. This is, this is too much for 10 to
1: 8. <laughs> Look, I didn't go to lectures, so <laughs> I of probably shouldn't admit didn't. that on air. But, <laughs> you know, I just scraped right through. Peas get degrees, baby.
0: <laughs> On that note, at 10 minutes away from 8 on SpinCycle on Triple R, we would like to uh, thank so much Adam Carey for dropping into the studio and discussing the state of uh, education reporting. Uh, And we look forward to to seeing what next. Thanks,
2: guys. It's been fun. Triple R on FM, digital, online, on demand, podcasts and via the app.
0: Six minutes away from eight, which means we're almost out of here. We have time to discuss one little thing, which kind of follows on from what we were talking about earlier in terms of lack of critical (laughs) reporting. Mm. There was um, a story that kind of, I think it sort of vaguely caught all of our eye in a slightly dystopian way (laughs) um, in um, the media this week and it was about BMW um, starting to roll out subscription services... (laughs) (laughs) for some of the features in their cars. It's like, pay $70,000 for a car, but you have to now pay $60 a month to unlock the heated seats. Um, I mean, when you
3: first told me this, I think everyone's response is the same, where you immediately laugh out loud at how absurd that is, and then you go, oh, God. Yeah, exactly. (laughs)
0: That's
3: a a worrying sign of, I think where I, society is headed.
1: I feel that. like if capitalism is the boot, subscriptions are the laces in which they tie the boot. I swear. Oh, I like that analogy. That's very, vivid. very <laughs> Well, Because <laughs> we're all living under the boot of capitalism <laughs> and it's just like, how dare they? Uh, yeah, and yeah.
0: what's what's next? Once you accept something like that, it's yeah. like you've paid what have you paid $100,000 for the shell yeah. and you can't mm. even unlock it mm. until yeah, but you... be, this is I'm not
1: going to work rich people are one of the stingiest group of people <laughs> in the world they will not <laughs> let this go without a fight they are running to Range Rover they are going to Porsche they are going to Mercedes
3: this is not going to work out well for you mm. BMW but there is that I mean but I do actually think and, and this probably is, is drifting away from the media thing into a more esoteric kind of yeah. framework but there is this thing of like the way that consumption works now, and it's only in the last few years, but it's become it's become all of consumption. Mm. We don't really own anything anymore. Oh, I mean, now that everything true. is owned by a subscription, so sub. so I mean, well, one this of the, is one what of, they're yeah. thinking
0: in the boardroom at Apple, yeah, at yeah. BMW. Like, how come we get? How come we have to just take have one transaction well, and yeah. then they walk out? The, why does everyone? Why does Apple? One of the get most to, yeah, you know?
3: for sure. And one of the one of the most sort of chilling ways I ever ever heard it put was uh, in a really wonderful book called Music Observation subversive history by a guy called Ted Gioa who talked about the kind of um, in, in the final chapters the way the way that music has moved from it's being controlled by record company guys to mm. um, to, to streaming services mm. and he says the difference between um, you know the people who owned uh, Parlophone and the people who own Spotify is that whatever you want to say about the ruthless capitalist thing yeah. that drove the guys that owned Parlophone to sell the Beatles was that they were music guys. And at the core True. of it, whether they... They whether loved they,
0: being music guys. They
3: loved music. Whereas yeah. Spotify doesn't sell music, it sells subscriptions. Yeah, yeah. And, and 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 music is not the thing they want to do well. It's the cost that they have to keep as low as possible. Yeah. And so the idea that you could spend, you know, so if you've had Spotify for however many years, you would have spent hundreds and hundreds of dollars, presumably on account of its access to certain artists. 100%. And certain albums that you love. But if if for whatever reason the album gets taken off that stream service, you, you have like, no access to yeah, it anymore. Yeah, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I spent 30 bucks on a CD of Sparge and Pepper when I was, you know, 15 or whatever. And I had that for yeah. 10 years until it got lost in a move or whatever, but, like, I owned Until that. you can't actually
0: yeah. play it anymore. Until so you can't well.
3: play it anymore because yeah. CDs were garbage as a format. Yeah. But, yeah. And
1: I guess that's where I bring up the whole thing about please, rich people, push back on this because I don't want to give Apple any ideas because then Apple will start doing some things like, here's a new iPhone, but then you have to pay $5 a month. And for like, 100% like, And they really happen, do yeah. that with storage, like, yeah, what is it, yeah. $2 a month? But it's just kind of like, you know, they change parts to make sure that you're loyal to their brand. But... Um, But um, apparently now there's been a court order where they can't do that anymore. Sorry, not specifically for that, for another part that they wanted to
0: bring out. And Mm. it was like, you can't do that. Well, (laughs) not just rich people push back on it, but media push back on it as well just to bring it back, bring it back to the show. Because I was reading in a drive.com.au article where they they just um, you know, they're, they're saying BMW has begun offering heated seats and inbuilt dash cams as subscription services, much like your monthly subscription to Stan, Netflix or Spotify. And I just think why are you reporting it so uncritically? Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you yeah. should be a lo- there should be some sort of <laughs> Um, debate about yeah, whether like it's a good thing yeah. Experts yeah. Have slammed
1: this yeah. as saying it's taking away, you know, basic things from a car, the manufacturer shouldn't be allowed <laughs> yeah, to do yeah. this. Like, there should well, be let's... that kind of reporting that makes us feel like there's a kind of debate happening sure. as opposed <laughs> the, 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 to... This is just well, yeah. is. The... Well,
0: also, the, the, they are being manufactured with these things. You just have to pay yeah. to access things <laughs> yeah. within the oh, thing yeah, you've that's bought. Yeah. Yeah. I just... It yeah. blows yeah. my mind. But, again,
3: these are the things that uh, keep the lights on for the rest of the journalism, which is the, uh, again giant systemic thing i shouldn't be introducing a minute before the
0: end well of the i'm show. just I'm, <laughs> I'm just raising my glasses to look over to the other studio <laughs> to see oh he's there neil's there okay Yay. Great. well that's time we're out um stick around for neil rogers in the australian mood a couple of announcements and uh then he'll be hitting your air- airwaves and we'll be back next week we'll catch you then